never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top Five Report podcast that has taken a serious look at the current state of the Lego industry and fears terribly for the condition of its wallet. My name is Drew, your host for the evening, along with me as always is my brother Peter. How are you, man? Here. <laughs> What's you, up? Have you looked at the new Legos coming out? Like, no, seriously. Like, seriously. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I bought, what was it? I bought the Infinity Gauntlet, which is proudly um, displayed on my uh, shelf. I got Thor's Hammer. I got, you know, one of the new Batmobiles. I bought some of the cool flower Lego sets because they have the what they're calling adult Legos or the 18 plus Legos. Um, and they're now releasing like they have Wolverine's glove coming out with the claws extended. And I'm like, oh, come on, man, I'm going to have to get that now. And then like <laughs> and then they have some new uh, like these like 18 plus. They have one of the Droidicas from Star Wars coming out that I'm like, oh, my God, like. They got some really cool stuff like forthcoming, and I'm like, this is not fair for my pocket. Um, I'm actually getting to a point where I'm gonna have to get the Lego room. I got the, I, I picked up the um, Giza pyramid, which is a phenomenally cool set, but I don't know where I'm gonna put it once I put it together. So it's still just sitting in a box. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't delved too much into that. Um. My son's like at the age where he's st he's starting to get into Legos. So I actually play Legos with him almost every night, which is pretty awesome, to be honest, like to just chill there and just build something random out of Legos. Like you don't realize um, how much you miss doing stuff like that when you finally get to do it again. But no, I haven't delved into a lot of the newer, like more collectible esque Legos, but uh, sounds awesome, but also sounds like. A lot of cash could go into that. So, and you don't think about it; it just goes. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's that. <clears throat> anyway, um, how's your week been, man? Yeah, uh, it's been all right. Uh, not too much really going on besides just <laughs> work and other engagements and stuff. Like I've been keeping myself busy, but nothing super exciting, unfortunately. <laughs> How about you? Um. About the same, trying to make sense of life, and I feel like everything's moving way too fast. Like, I have uh, my brother-in-law's getting married, and it, it still feels like it's a month away. It's, like, two weeks out. <laughs> so, you're just like, oh, hey, that's coming real fast. You know what I mean? So, um, you just don't yeah. think about it, but then you're going day to day, and then it's like, oh, wow, that snuck up on me real quick. It's crazy how fast. Like, it's already <laughs> it's almost September. I mean, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to ski season, but I'm also like, where'd the year go? You know, so yeah, I, I, but we all kind of feel that fatigue, unfortunately. 
Um, but hey, let's talk about fun stuff. What uh, did you watch this? <laughs> anything, or are you like bogged down, too busy, couldn't watch anything? Oh no, I, I did watch a couple things that I wanted to mention. Um, the first one is uh, Drew. I don't know if you've seen this. I finally got around to watching the movie Nope, the uh, Jordan Peele oh. one. Um, yeah, 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 that um, that one I have not watched yet. Okay. Uh, you got to check this out. I feel like um, I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about Get Out, and I can't remember if yeah. you had seen Us, but out of the Jordan Peele movies I've seen, I feel like Nope is like right up your alley, Drew, because okay. of the subject matter. Because this movie was weird because I felt like it was. It is a scary movie. Like, I don't know that I was super scared to it or during it, but I watched it with my wife and she said she was pretty freaked out during a lot of it. But it was marketed. I feel like it was marketed as a horror movie. But when you're watching this trailer for this horror movie uh, that is nope, you're seeing imagery of like random clouds with random stuff being shot out of it or you see a cloud trailing around with like a uh streamer like the type of streamer that you'd see at a county fair just like dangling out of the cloud and i honestly thought it was going to be more of a supernatural tale and i was like this kind of looks silly like based on the marketing for the movie when it came out i was like it kind of looks silly it's not it looks like a weird supernatural tale about for some reason, there's just random crap laying, uh, raining out of clouds, and it's Jordan Peele, so I'm sure it's good, but all the imagery I'm seeing looks just incredibly silly, and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. The thing is, when you watch the movie, this is a movie that's extremely tightly structured to the point where all of the imagery that I thought looked silly from the trailers and the TV spots all made complete sense. Like, as you watch the movie... Um, and it takes a little bit of time to figure out exactly where they're going. But once you realize it, everything makes so much sense and it's so tightly written and it ends up being like, I know it was kind of advertised as something that's going to scare you, but it kind of becomes this really fun sort of um, sci-fi movie. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it deals with some really well-known, just like classic sci-fi tropes but it turns them on it on their head. And it's one of those things I don't want to say too much. And you might already have an inkling of where I would be going with that, but I don't want to give anything away, but it's something where they use the movie uses imagery that you've seen a million times. If you like science fiction movies and if you like, um, like sci-fi comics and, you know, anything science fiction. You've seen this imagery a million times, but the movie plays it out in a different way that you've ever seen. And there's actually like a weird... It's hard to say without spoiling anything, but the characters in the movie have this weird, like, nature documentary angle to what they're trying to pull off. And that aspect is really fun, too. And it was much more of a fun, just like really cool, smart sci-fi movie than I think I was expecting. Like I expected it to be smart, smart. I expected it to be scary, but I didn't think it was going to be this fun. And it's to the level where I feel like the movie should be talked about more. Like I, f I feel like this, I know it got a lot of hype when it came out, but I feel like the hype's died down. And I feel like this is like kind of a modern 
sci-fi classic that nobody has talked about for the last couple of years, which is kind of unfortunate because I thought I thought it was awesome. So <laughs> I don't know if you have any comments on any of that, Drew. I, I can't remember if you said you had seen this one or not. Yeah, no, this is like I said at the beginning of your review, I have not seen this one. Um, everything about it looked amazing. So for right yeah. now, I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah. The, the other thing I'll say, besides just like kind of the cool sci-fi subject matter that they focused on the other thing that i loved about this one is the way it is shot is so it's just so well done as far as like a cinematography levels goes to where they're some of the angles in the movie are amazing so many of the shot choices but there's also like different levels where there's like certain shots have like narratives to them on their own like when you when it comes into like every shot of a movie should be a painting. Some of the shots in this movie tell stories on their own and have like incredible levels of symbolism to them, which I thought was really amazing as well. So if you haven't seen Nope, it is, I thought it, I thought it was great. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, and that is the show Twisted Metal. I finally got around to oh. uh, trying this out. Um, have you seen this yet, Drew? No, just the uh, trailers and a couple TV clips that have been like posted for advertisement stuff. But okay. you are more of the Twisted Metal fan than I am, so tell and, me. And <laughs> I don't even really consider myself a that much of a Twisted Metal fan besides just enjoying it a little bit. But um, this show kind of caught me by surprise because, like you, Drew, I had seen some of the commercials and the trailers for the show and stuff, and it looked kind of cool, but I really wasn't that sure what to think. But this is another case where you have something that feels really well thought out. Like you watch the show and uh, if you think of Twisted Metal, the games, I don't really know if any of those games had much of a narrative to them. But to me, um, I always just felt like it felt like it was just kind of this big battle royale sort of uh, car brawler thing. Like it felt like battle. It felt like battle roll battle mode on mario kart but just stepped up a notch where you're you're dealing with like crazy cars with like machine guns on them and creepy like clown looking dudes driving them and stuff like that and i never really felt like there was much of a story there and i don't know if this show fabricates a lot of those story bits or if they take them directly from the game but the the beginning of the show like really succinctly sets up this sort of post-apocalyptic world that these characters live in and why do they have souped up cars why are they why are they battling each other the show like really simply lays everything out so it's just like easy to understand um and then you have um i'm blanking on uh the main actor's name but the guy who plays the falcon from the M mcu Anthony he plays Mac uh Yes, there you go. Anthony Mackie. He plays uh, John Doe in the series, and he is like really charming and really hilarious as a main character. And you're just watching the show that, in my opinion, they just they found a way to make it funny, but also like endearing, but also badass at the same time. And they as far like like I said, I've only, I'm only one episode in. But I feel like they pulled it off really well. And I feel like the show so far is genuinely good and genuinely funny. Um, this so show, if I was going to show you thought was just drive cars around and smash into stuff. It's got lore to it. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and it's not it's not like the deepest lore. Like they kind of have enough lore to set up the plot, but it's well thought up 
thought out. It's well thought out enough that you're just like, okay, makes sense. I'll go with it. You know, you don't have to question sure. anything because everything they lay out, it's just like, okay, I can see that. I'm along for this ride. Um, uh, oh, what I was going to say, though, is tonally, I would actually relate this show probably to the movie Zombieland. Um, out of everything I've oh, seen, okay. I feel like the show has a real Zombieland feel when it comes to the post-apocalyptic setting, when it comes to the humor, when it comes to a level of, like, it's kind of sarcastic, but kind of just super genuine on uh, its commentary about just, like, the really fun, badass subject matter. Like, I think if you like Zombieland or maybe, like, Love and Monsters or maybe even, like, Ash versus the Evil Dead, like, something like that, I feel like this show is definitely up anybody's alley who's uh, into that sort of thing. So I'll, I'll, I'll probably keep talking about Twisted Metal because I'm enjoying it so far. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, that's pretty much it for, for me this week. Good. I'm glad to hear you're liking it. And I say that in the same vein of like, you know, it's a video game show. And, you know, Last of Us, you know, hate like Halo came out and it was garbage. And Last of Us came out and it, I think, set the bar for everybody. So then Twisted Metal comes out and you're just like, let's see what they got. And to hear that you being a Twisted Metal fan was pleased I look at it as a good sign. So, yeah, and and I feel like Last of Us and Twisted Metal are completely different shows, you know, where Last of Us is like the serious drama and Twisted Metal is more the goofy comedy zombie land uh, side of things. But uh, no, I, I do think from everything I've seen, it seems like they're pulling off everything super well. So I'm loving it so far. Right on. All right. Uh, what else? Is that all you watched that you're watching? Yeah, that's pretty much it for me this okay. week. So I sat down and watched last night the movie Heart of Stone, which is the new Gal Gadot movie on Netflix. Um, nope. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because you had a pause there. like. Yeah, I might have heard of it, but it's not really ringing a bell. <laughs> actually, <laughs> like just released-ish. Like I think okay. it released actually this week. Um, the Or it released last Friday. I don't know. I was kind of like, Ooh, I want something new to talk about on the show. And since my week's been what it is, I was like, I got to get at least one thing in. So yeah. um, I sat down and watched this last night. Um, the trailer for this makes it look like Mission Impossible, but with Gal Gadot. And okay. um, I'm like, I'm in. That's cool. It's clearly a spy espionage thriller. All right. Uh, looks like it's got some good action, um, you know. The movie itself um, is pretty good. It is. All right. You know how you know how Mission Impossible um, is. Um, I don't want to say it's not. They're all serious movies, but it has fun with itself in the sense that yeah. you're excited to see the next stunt. You're excited to see where they're going. You're with it with the complicated story, but at the same time, you're like, I'm just a lot like it's a roller coaster and you're having fun, right? Yeah. This movie does the roller coaster bit, but it's just a skosh to it's a skosh more serious. So okay. it, like, it's almost like it takes all the seriousness of James Bond and matches it with the hyper action sequences of Mission Impossible and does a nice blend, if you will. Um, that's kind of the best way I could describe it. 
Um, okay. The uh, the action sequences are a lot of fun to watch. The stunt work, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, we know Tom Cruise is known for doing his own stunts, and we know everything in Mission Impossible is pretty much real as far as they can go with it. But we don't really know. I don't really know what what stunt work uh, Gal Gadot is allowed to do. I don't know if she pushes herself the way Tom Cruise does. I do know she's ex-Israeli military, so she's probably doesn't have to do much fight training. They probably have to show yeah. her the choreograph, and she's like, I'm good, you know. Um, I want to say she was, like, trained in Karav Maga or something, too. Like, I feel like I heard that she has some sort of martial arts background, but I don't know if that is just kind of, like, baseline Israeli military martial arts that she's learned yeah. or if it's, like, it's deeper than that, you know? Yeah, same. Um, so... Her fight scenes are great. The action sequences, when you're talking like motorcycle chases, car chases, they're great. Um, there's a really cool uh, snow sequence where it's like a ski lodge to the ground. And she's got to do several different things to get to the bottom because she's like racing. like Because the guys have left and headed on the ground and she's got to catch up to them. So she's got like the, the racing parachute, which switches to a, a snow bike, which switches to like she's trying to get there faster. And it's kind of cool how they're, like, guiding her down the mountain. Like, no, 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 go right now. And she, like, cuts, and it's this nice steep drop to get to the next location. Um, so the the plot is pretty good. Um, it deals with, and I don't want to say an AI so much as it deals with a computer program uh, hacking kind of plot line. There oh. is a really cool set piece right in the middle of the movie, which I'm not going to lie. I thought we were in third act. When this happened, um, <laughs> I was like, oh, man, third act. What a cool set piece. And then I looked at the time. I'm like, we have another hour to go. <laughs> um, awesome. So the movie's short, too. It's only two hours. But it felt like I was like, whoa, we guys still got more to go with the story. Um, they have a set piece right in the middle of the uh, movie where it's a blimp. And when was the last time we've seen like a blimp or a Zeppelin on screen? They do a whole fight sequence inside and on top of. It's really cool. Um, yeah. And then followed by a really intense skydive sequence uh, with debris and stuff falling down. And I know we had the one in like Black Widow, but this is a different this is a different machine. Like Black Widow was Marvel and it was done for spectacle. This was done like intensity and seriousness. And you're like at the edge of your seat kind of moment. Um the other thing I want to say about the movie is Gal Gadot usually is a very glamorous person or the movie she's in shows her off in a very glamorous way. Wonder right. Woman keeping up with the Joneses, Fast and the Furious, like they're throwing her bikinis, they're throwing her in skimpy outfits. They're playing it up the fact that she's this beautiful woman because she is. However, this is a movie where she takes a beating on a John McClane level. And she's not always looking glamorous because she's getting the crap kicked out of her throughout the entire film. But she's in the middle of like all these like incredibly physical fight scenes. So they like literally play it up and she gets cut. She gets cut. She gets a bruise on her face. She gets a bruise on her face. Like, <laughs> you know, um, so she's not looking her gorgeous self throughout the whole thing. But it's fantastic to watch because they're trying to treat her like that John McClane level uh, fight scene type stuff. So I had fun watching it, man. I definitely recommend it if you're looking for a good ride. So, yeah, I mean, it, it sounds really cool um, related to the whole like her um, showing like 
scars and blood and stuff while she's like getting uh like during fight scenes in the movie and stuff i bet that's a little bit jarring too because she's most well known for playing wonder woman and uh there's some crazy fight scenes in the dceu but since she's wonder woman she like doesn't have a scratch on her like you know even after like breaking through a brick wall you know she's still it's like pristine and clean and i bet that actually works in the movie's favor because it makes it it I imagine it would make it feel even more jarring when you're actually seeing her like uh, take some beat down damage and stuff. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was just I was really in, kind of impressed with the movie. I thought it was really good. So, um, yeah, I highly recommend it. Everyone should go watch it, um, especially if you're looking for something fun. There's not a lot of new content right now, you know. Um, so for the sake of just having something to watch. Why not? You know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's about right. it. That's really all I have to add to the table on the terms of watching, because that's all I really had time for. But, hey. Um, yeah. Um, do you want to move forward with the news? Yeah, let's let's go for it. <laughs> all right. Uh, news is light-ish, kind of. <laughs> um. <laughs> You'll see how this goes. So first off, I want to say, oh, there's one other thing that uh, I watched. Oh, keep going, keep going. No, then. There's one other thing that I watched. It's a short thing, but it leads directly into the news, and that is the first uh, teaser for Scott Pilgrim, the anime release. Did you get a chance to see My, this? Yes. I actually just watched this before the show. Um, as I mentioned before, it's been kind of a busy week, and I finally had the chance to watch it. But uh, no, it looks amazing i don't know what, what, what were your thoughts on this one it, well here's okay so first looks amazing you and i were already in on this because someone said scott pilgrim anime and we went really sweet amazing um all the original cast from the film the live action movie returns so amazing um two this comes out november 17th so we are real close right yeah um, so that's going to be out pretty quick the anime, the animated version, is looks exactly like the comic. Yeah. Like, exactly like the comic. So, like, real comic book brought to life type stuff. Um, what I wonder about this is the footage that the trailer shows is almost all footage from the live-action movie. And not that that's a bad thing, but do you think there's a chance when they said the original cast is returning that they're literally porting the audio over for the animated project? <laughs> Where they didn't have to do any recording and they're just like, we'll just take the audio from the film. I hope not. I think that I hope not. (laughs) We've talked about this on the show. Um, If you read Scott Pilgrim, the first volume is almost like shot for shot, exactly the same as like maybe the first act of the movie. And then it's not until you get to like volume two and beyond, it starts to get weirder. It starts to go in different directions than the movie. And uh, it ends up being really fun because if you've seen the movie first, reading the comic, you don't know where it's going to go. The issue, however, is getting through the beginning of the comic is a slog because it does feel like this is exactly the same as the movie I watched. So Seeing the footage from the preview, I guess it does make a lot of sense that, like, they're showing us a lot of imagery that we know from the movie. But I guess my big takeaway from it was, like, so much of this is just random short shots. Like, you know, like, the 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 
the preview or trailer, I don't know, I guess teaser trailer is the way to, to word it. It starts off where you have um, Sex Babam, you have Scott Pilgrim's band start playing a song and uh, you're listening to like just that distorted riff in the background and it sounds perfect. It sounds exactly how Sex Babam should sound. And you're just shown a bunch of shots of just various imagery and a lot of it's like so short. And I was at a level where I was just kind of like, I don't necessarily know what I'm looking at. Like I'm recognizing characters and all the artwork looks right, but I don't necessarily know what exactly is happening because I feel like everything was shown so briefly. But my biggest takeaway from there was everything looks right. Like the tone of this looks right. The music sounds right. The way the characters are drawn, like you said, Drew, it looks like they're, they are right out of the comic book. But because it's uh, it has that Netflix animation budget, some of it I actually thought be- looked better than the comic or honestly better than I was expecting. Like some of those action shots looked either more cinematic or just more detailed and lifelike than I was really expecting. So I thought it looked awesome. Like I'm, of course, pumped for it for this. I'm sure we're both going to be watching it. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if you had any any further thoughts on the whole thing. No, I'm just I'm just excited for it. And even if like and I, I expect the first couple episodes will cover the film for sure. So um, or maybe the first episode is the movie. I have no idea how they broke it up. And then I'm looking forward to getting into the deeper you know, stuff, because I read the comic through what I saw in the movie. I wanted to read further, but this is that thing where time gets in, in front of you and like you can't keep up with like everything. Um but I've seen the movie like hundreds of times, not hundreds, but like it feels like hundreds. I love that film um, a, to death. So I can't wait to see just certain bits and pieces of it. And I can't wait to see how it ex- explores beyond that. So, yeah. And you know, like they, they might do like a really quick like, you know, at the very beginning, they might do a quick uh, summary of how the movie played out. And then they might just go further from there. Um The biggest thing, though, is like the way the Scott Pilgrim comic ends is actually really different than the movie, like as far as who he ends up with and stuff like that at the end. And uh, maybe they do need to retell that original story before going further, you know? Yeah, maybe. Um, So, yeah. All right. Moving on. Um, First, big congratulations to Barbie. It is now Warner Brothers highest grossing movie ever at the domestic box office not global not global domestic which means domestically it dethroned the dark knight which was the which was the title holder there for warner brothers as a company um big props to barbie for doing that um congratulations to everyone who worked on the movie i still haven't seen it but um this just i just thought that was awesome especially in a world where we don't know what's going on with the film industry right now because of the strikes and we don't want this to hurt theaters because theaters went through enough problems with the, you know, COVID nonsense, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You think about, like, growing up, like, you'd go to your friend's house, and any any friend's house who had, like, a sister, there was just tons of Barbie dolls all over the place. Like, Barbie was, like, something, I don't know if she still is with kids nowadays, but when I was growing up, she was, like, universally loved by every girl in my class and every girl that I knew. So it makes sense that, like, at the box office, Barbie would just be killing it like that. But um, 
I don't know. I don't know if she's sur- I, I keep talking about the movie like it's a person, <laughs> but I don't know if uh, the movie Barbie has surpassed Mario yet as far as box office dollars goes. I'm still really rooting for Mario, but that's just because I'm more of a Mario fan. And I know uh, they're both in the billion dollar club, but I haven't been following the numbers that closely to know where everybody's sitting as far as this summer's movies go. Yeah, and I don't track, and I track, I look at box office dollars when you're looking at the big numbers and you're just like, and I, and I say that meaning when you get up to like the Avatar, like I want, like, look, I want Avatar dethroned and it to stay that way. But every time he puts it and every time they put it back in theaters, it makes more money. So it stays on top. Um, I got really excited when Endgame dethroned it. And then they're like, well, we're going to put Avatar back in the theater. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know. So that's where I start really paying attention to those big box office dollars. Um, someone who's not making box office dollars is broadcast networks and cable television shows. Um, do you know what the Nielsen ratings are? Yeah. And, and I figured you would for being on this show. But if you are listening to the show and you don't know what the Nielsen ratings are, um, the Nielsen ratings, it's a it's how they track viewership on broadcast cable, uh, broadcast networks, cable, streaming. And actually, streaming for a while wasn't tracked by Nielsen. It was a very weird period of, well, how do you track certain things? Because they were trying to like count for DVRs and people watching it delayed and all that nonsense. They figured out a way to handle it. So Nielsen just reported some stuff. Broadcast and cable viewership has fallen below 50% for the first time in history. Um, check this out. This comes in at the end of July. Overall viewership in the end of July, uh, broadcast networks scored 20% of overall viewership. Um, cable scored 29.6, and streaming hit a new all-time high of 38.7%. That's crazy. We knew streaming was taking over and we joke about how, you know, broadcast is dead and networks are dead and you can't put a sitcom, you can't put anything on sit, uh, networks anymore because they don't win awards and that kind of stuff. Um, but I just thought that was crazy to see those numbers. The remaining 11.6% of the of the 100 is taken up from video games. Which All right, doesn't, doesn't surprise me, but I thought that was interesting because, it, it, you know, it shows that video games are still on the rise. So I thought the video game number would actually be higher than that. But. Uh, so did I. So did I. Um, you know, you can look. I know there's those like they're called uh, live service games like Fortnite, uh, Halo, Modern Warfare. They're called live service because the game's technically not done. What they did is they released a version of the game and then they're constantly providing updates and adding content now adding content. Um, so the game continuously evolves and updates. Um, when you look at story modes, when you look at like the campaign or the story of a video game, some of those stories, I'm not going to lie, are more compelling than anything I'm finding on television. Like there is really deep, smart writing and incredible stories that these games take you on. So I think it's cool that these people are getting these, you know. Uh, getting the ratings there, the video games are what they are, and I hope it gets more, to be honest. So, and I hope people discover that video games can be that uh, more than they have. But yeah, and I I think besides uh, just like live active participation, I think when it actually comes to um, 
which corners of the entertainment industry are just making the most money consistently. I think video games is like way up there. Like, I don't know if it's higher than like movies and TV, but I think video games is a huge force. And uh, I remember just noticing it like once like video games reached the point like, you know, post like xbox and stuff where video games were starting to get really realistic and you can do a lot more with the graphics and the storytelling i started to notice like uh you know you'd watch g4 and you'd be sitting there you know back in the day you'd watch g4 and you'd be sitting there like man the artwork and the imagery and uh, the storylines that are going into all these games that are coming out are like way (laughs) way better and more interesting than any like tv or movies i'm watching and uh like you said like video games have been doing some like some incredible stuff for a long time and it's cool to see them get that recognition but i feel like the story probably underplays the force that uh video games are as far as like our entertainment attention spans go you know (laughs) yeah yeah um all right let's talk about some casting news real quick um disney's live action princess and the frog remake remake is that's coming because we're live actioning everything we joke about that but we're going to live action everything uh lupita nyong'o is being eyed to play tiana uh she's a fantastic actress she looks like the character um no that no problems there you know um and then taryn edgerton and ariana grande are being reportedly, this rumor will be reportedly take the leads in uh, the live action Hercules. So Taryn Edgerton will be Hercules and Ariana Grande will be Meg. And again, I don't have any problem with this casting. I think Taryn Edgerton's a good, I think that'd be a really cool choice for Hercules. Um, But Ariana Grande, I have no problem with her. I think she'd be a perfect Meg, but I do wonder if they cast her because of the ponytail. Because that's your signature look. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I think she'd be a cool Meg. I think she'd make a really good Meg for that. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that cat, those casting things, but um, those popped up this week. I, I don't know that I have any major complaints. I don't know if either of them would be the actor that I would pick. For sure. The, like, especially for those roles specifically, but I also don't have anything against it. But uh <laughs> I'm also probably just going to rather watch the animated version <laughs> at the end of the day. So I don't know if my opinion matters that much in this case. Right. right. Um, all right. Marvel news. Um, Taylor Swift is reportedly going to appear as the as Dazzler in Deadpool 3. I heard about this. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I have a problem with this. I'm not I don't know if I'm surprised at this in terms of the amount of characters and cameos and whatnot. I'm expecting to see a ton of stuff uh, in Deadpool 3 and dead, and characters and stuff. So when I heard this, I was like, yeah, of course. Why not? It's, it is what it is. It doesn't really matter. It just I thought that was interesting that they're they're reportedly eyeing Taylor Swift. So um, it makes sense. I don't know. Like, has she acted in anything before? She was in Cats. Oh, interesting. OK, because I, I don't know at all about her acting chops. But as far as just like a. Uh marketing move this is kind of genius because i don't yeah. know if you noticed because i'm sure you're gonna, you have you're gonna, deadpool's deadpool wants the swifties man they want her <laughs> entire audience like 
that is going to be a hard movie to get tickets to. So everyone be prepared. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And that's why this is such a genius move. And I don't know what it is like within the last two years or so, maybe the last year, I feel like Taylor Swift went from like a really popular household name pop star to being for some reason, <laughs> this like insane level of like i don't want to say cult leader but this insane level of where for some reason going to a taylor swift concert is like a something you must do before you know it's like a bucket list item and everyone must go and her tickets are in such demand and it's i mean it's cool and more power to her i just i'm kind of shocked with how much her tickets are going for people are actually spending thousands and thousands of dollars on her tickets and uh I guess just the demand for it really takes me by surprise. And I'm not trying to go on a tangent. I just think it's funny because I don't remember this ever being a thing before, like, this past summer where everybody has has to, like, you know, drop, like, a down payment on three cars, you know, know. it's for Taylor Swift concerts. You know what I mean? (laughs) I know. And I don't know. And I really don't know if there's anyone in the film hit music history that has had that level of demand i really can't speak to that at all so as as far as ticket prices you might be right because it's hard to say like i mean elvis the beatles prices and ticket demand both the the demand is the part that blows my mind a little bit so yeah yeah. i will agree with demand at those prices because there are acts from the past that you could probably make arguments with, but I don't have the numbers in front of me <laughs> to, to do so. But uh, like you said, Deadpool 3 wants the Swifties and is probably the smartest move they could make. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get everyone to see this movie. Um, yeah. And other Marvel news. Um, this I thought was interesting. Doctor Strange 3 will reportedly adapt the Time Runs Out comic book storyline. Now. I'm going to say this. I have not read Time Runs Out, Doctor Strange, Time Runs Out. However, they're naming a comic book line. They're naming a specific story arc. I seem to remember DC naming a whole bunch of story arcs recently and their book sales going through the roof. Yeah. Uh, The heavy, heavy demand. And I criticized Marvel uh, fairly recently that, you know, you're not doing this and that and DC sales are going rock, skyrocketing and uh, they're pulling out and saying, hey, here's here's these titles we're doing. And now Marvel's coming out saying, hey, we're doing this specific storyline. <laughs> so it's going to boost sales for sure. But I do think that's interesting. Just saying, <laughs> um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I just think it's saying, however, it does show that Marvel listens because I made that argument and then all of a sudden (laughs) um so marvel thanks for listening yeah and it's awesome and i hope they keep doing it because i feel like marvel and dc should have both been driving people back to the comics the whole time and while i feel like they had done that to an extent i'd still feel like it should have been a lot more prevalent. Like when Endgame came out, I feel like there should have been an end cap of uh, trade paperback copies of the Infinity Gauntlet in every department store you went to. Like you should have been seeing that book everywhere and everybody could have been able to buy a copy and put it on their uh, coffee table at home. And uh, I feel like as long as the big two, 
uh, movie studios keep doing this. Like, I just think that's going to be a really good thing. And uh, we'll hopefully drive some more business and enthusiastic or enthusiasm into uh, the American comic book industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed. Uh, all right. Um, Tron 3 or Tron Ares is what it's being is what it's titled right now has been delayed because of the strikes. Um, the director, um, Jockholm Ronin, Ronin, Jockheim Ronin, I'm not, I know I'm butchering that, but anyway, he revealed the production was, production for the film was supposed to begin filming this week, and instead, he's had to lay off 150 crew members while supporting the goals of the work stoppage. Um, he urged both sides of the contract, uh, dispute to resolve their differences, we need to speed up the negotiating process and not leave the table until it's done, he says. Why do we suddenly have all the time in the world when every day is so precious? It's time for diplomacy so we can get back to work under conditions that are fair to everybody. Um, I, I flagged this specific story because the stuff with the strike, we have we've surpassed the 100-day mark for the strikes. Um, so we're not going anywhere. We're going to see... We've talked about this several times. We're going to see the impact hit on our viewership. Um, I don't want to see movie theaters suffer, but eventually there's not going to be stuff coming out. Um, the Emmys have been postponed indefinitely, or at least they're being pushed to January if there's able to do it. Secondly, um, the uh, on a movie level, um, we're just going to run out of content. Like right now, like you're looking to go on Oscars because movies that normally would come out during Oscar push time aren't being filmed and probably won't be done in time for Oscar push. So we're looking at Barbie and Oppenheimer are probably your contenders for your best pictures. You got the Ken song and um, Peaches are your contenders for original song. And then Mission Impossible probably takes all the tech awards. And there you go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, wow. Like that's and that's what we're looking at right now, based on that alone. Um, the uh, the issue of the strikes is I read some reports that there's some studios waiting for like we'll starve them out if we have to. Eventually, they're going to break and go. We need to work. Eventually, they're going to say we have bills to play because it's Christmas and tax season's coming around. We have we have to work. So the studio heads who aren't hurting, like Bob Iger, for example. He makes I was reading that he makes seventy two seventy eight thousand dollars a day. That's his salary. And most of that doesn't come from the movies. It comes from the revenue from the parks. So wow. Disney isn't hurting the way everyone thinks they're technically going to be hurting by not making movies. <laughs> you know, it's just interesting. Um, I'm watching uh, the after party show on uh, Apple TV. I'm caught up. There's no more episodes that have dropped. I keep checking and they haven't dropped any episodes and I'm in the middle of a season. So is this in conjunction with the strike or are there episodes that are loaded in the can that we haven't seen yet? Um, same thing with the show Mythic Quest I was watching. Um, thought it was great. Got up to episode 10 of season three. It didn't feel like a season finale. And, but it could have been maybe. But the previous two seasons all had 12 episodes. So I was like, well, you know, I'm not I just don't know. Like those are the only two shows I've seen. But then like um, 
Tacoma FD, which is the Super Troopers show, that shows came back and they're like five episodes into the season. I didn't even realize they started up. <laughs> so I was like, oh, hey, at least I got that to jump in front of now. So cool. I don't know. The strike thing's getting weird. It's really it's going to be really hard when um, when you catch up on all the shows you're watching and then you're going to have a long gap in between seasons. Um, I remember I watched. I I think it was the first two seasons of uh, Attack on Titan, the anime, mm-hmm. when I think it was after season two released. I just binged through the first two seasons and I thought they were awesome. And then I think it was between season two and season three. There was like a two year gap where like <laughs> you had to wait like like two years before the next season came out. And I just never picked up the third season. And that's bad. And I should go back and watch that. But it was one of those things where I was just like all my enthusiasm had waned because I had to wait so long. And unfortunately, I could see that happening with a lot of TV shows right now. And uh the whole strike situation, it sucks. And um, I really feel for like as much as we can talk about Bob Iger and we can talk about these like really big name Hollywood actors. I feel bad for like some of the regular just like crew people who aren't necessarily making millions of dollars and are just kind of out of work right now. So I really hope they can figure something out soon, you know? Yeah. Um, all right. Two more stories. Uh, Lucasfilm closes the VFX animation studio behind Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um, This, okay, this freaked me out big time uh, when I saw this because I was like, okay, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. What is wrong with you people? Yeah. Um, What turns out, though, is that it sounds like it's the Singapore location only. So when you read into the article, so it's a very misleading headline. Over the next several months, ILM will be consolidating consolidating its global footprint and winding down its Singapore studio due to economic factors affecting the industry. Okay. Um, also, sounds like a few more studios would need to close before the whole thing goes under. While head um, headquartered in San Francisco, ILM also has studios in Vancouver, opened in 2012, London, opened in 2014, Sydney, opened in 2019, and Mumbai, opened in 2022. They're closing the Singapore location. So the headline says we're shutting down the studio that made the Clone Wars, but they have multiple studios that probably worked on it. So it's a it's the headline was there to freak you out and make you click the article, basically, you know. Yeah, it, it could be just it I, It sounds like it's almost just a budgetary thing and they're probably just going to be seeking out like another location to do with their animation or something like that. But uh, no, I definitely don't blame you. It did sound like it was something really freaky when you, <laughs> when you first you see it. And it's immediately like, no, you know, like, <laughs> um, like what? Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That that that's probably one of the greatest animated shows there is. And to take away that kind of animation is just that just doesn't make sense to me. All right, final news story, then we can talk the list. Do you know who Gritty is? Yeah. All right. <laughs> the uh, the Philly mascot, right? The <laughs> NHL mascot. Yeah. Um, according to Gritty, according to the NHL, Gritty will be getting a cute and sexy wall calendar in 2024. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's awesome. I just was like, um, okay. 
And the image they put up with the uh, headline uh, was a picture of Gritty in a raincoat hanging on to a light pole, like singing in the rain style. So um, we'll see what kind of a calendar we get. Um, I don't know if that'll be coming out of my wallet. I'm trying to buy too many Legos right now. Um, but yeah, so Gritty's getting a sexy wall calendar for 2024. To me, to me, I feel like this is almost too late. Like they should have had the <laughs> sexy wall calendar like five years ago. Because I remember when they first announced Gritty, like it just like Gritty kind of broke the internet. And it's kind of funny looking back on it because you look at Gritty, and I don't think there's anything wrong with him as a mascot design, but he's just kind of like this amorphous like fluffy blob with googly eyes wearing like a Phillies jersey. And he looks he looks perfectly acceptable as a mascot, but he also looks equally um, as just ridiculous. And I've heard people say that he's almost like a figurative, like uh, interpretation of like how rowdy like Philly fans are and stuff like that, which I thought was pretty funny. But uh, no, Gritty is like hilarious. But I also think it's funny because when you look at it, it's like I don't even know if he's the most like egregious mascot design I've ever seen but for whatever reason when he was announced everybody got a kick out of gritty so uh I think it's awesome that they're doing this calendar I don't have too much else to say besides that I just think uh yeah. I don't think about Do gritty I, too often what's that I really, I really just wanted to hear you laugh about it when I said <laughs> hey check this out <laughs> yeah I, I don't I don't think about gritty too often but he's one of those characters where when you're reminded of Gritty, you know, I just always get a smile to my, you know, a smile always comes to my face. So uh, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Are you ready to talk tonight's list? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, All right everybody. We'll be right back. And now for the top five. All right, Peter, this was my list. Um, So basically to explain this one away, these are season openers uh, for television shows. These are not pilots. I thought it would be fun to do a television one. Um, So season openers, um, meaning this is like season two, first episode, season four, first episode, heck, season nine, first episode, if you've got a show that ran that long. A lot of times with these season openers, the first episode back's got to hook you. It's got to get you back into the show, right? So they got to, where have all my friends been? We got to resolve the cliffhangers from the first season or the previous season. We got to, like, show you the new stuff we're looking into. There's a lot of stuff they have to cram into these episodes. And sometimes there's an ep- there's one on my list that um, covers the where have my friends been. And then it's just a super intense episode but it's not looking at the big overarching stuff. It didn't address the cliffhangers. It's just like, hey, we're back in a big, bad way. And the next episode is when they got into all that other stuff, you know. So um, I found this an interesting list to put together because I was trying I was looking at like shows that I absolutely love shows that I've rewatched. But I also like was looking at what are the biggest um, what are the ones what are the uh episodes like the individual episodes where i'm like holy cow these were like incredibly emotionally jarring emotionally like got me involved and that kind of stuff so um i don't know if you found the list difficult but um yeah 
I I found this list incredibly difficult. <laughs> like it was actually like I felt like it was down to the wire where I was actually going to find uh, my top five. That being said, I did end up getting like I do have two honorable mentions and stuff. But my biggest problem <laughs> was uh yeah well I mean I figured out ways to round round my list out but um. The challenge I had is I I don't I honestly don't watch a lot of TV shows weekly. Um, and no. actually, like like the last few years, like there's been very few TV shows that I've watched weekly. Like I typically binge through stuff, <laughs> you know, like a couple of years after it's come out. Like that seems to be my, uh, you know, the way I go with that. So a lot of times, like you'll get to like a season finale and there's always like some crazy, crazy shocking cliffhanger. And then you can watch that the next episode. And uh, a lot of times like the, the very first episode of a season doesn't always stick with me as much um, as like the last, you know, the last episode of the penultimate episode and stuff like that. So that was my challenge was trying to remember like, which season openers actually really wowed me and then actually going back and trying to remember details and uh, stuff about them like that. So uh, I did find it a challenge, but it, it was a fun list to put together. So, yeah. Good. Good. Okay. And, you know, I like to binge when I'm behind. If I'm late to the bandwagon, I like binging because it's fun to binge through it because you just like episode after episode and you're just pumping through. Um, but I love watching stuff real time with everybody else. Like, you know, when Game of Thrones is on and you're and you, and you watch the episode, you sit down Sunday night and you have you have to watch because if you don't show up, if you show up to work the next morning and you didn't watch this weekend, whole you have nothing to talk about. Like You can't <laughs> talk to anybody. Um, same thing with like early stages of Walking Dead. It was like you better have watched because holy crap, you can't talk to anybody, you know, like so. I really like the conversation of the weekly because you could sit and talk, you could speculate. That's the funnest part about these conversations. But when you're binging, it's like, what episode, Jan? What can I talk to you about? Like, where can I talk? Like, how far in can I talk to you? You know, like, <laughs> I don't want to yes. say the wrong thing to ruin stuff, you know? Um, Sorry, <laughs> I only have one honorable mention tonight. So you're going to have to give me both of yours right away. Oh, that's, that's fair. Uh, my first one, I feel like... Um, might be a cheat because this is actually a reality show and i feel like when you're talking about season premieres like reality shows don't come into sure. it too much but uh because of where i was when i watched this premiere i really wanted to mention it because i w actually went with uh comic book men season two okay. um, the episode is uh called stash bashes it's the one where uh ming had the idea that they could start doing birthday parties at the, <laughs> at the oh yeah kids and that ended up being a disaster and then you had uh brian dressed up as like in this like cr uh creepy uh clown costume for the kid's birthday and stuff like that but uh the reason i picked this one is when it came out i at the time i was going to uh, one of my best friend's parents houses uh to watch walking dead every week like i'd go over there watch walking dead with him his dad and his sister and maybe anybody else who was at the house and it was kind of just a fun like uh it's just kind of a fun weekly thing to do and of course after walking dead comic book men would come on next and i remember uh 
when season two came on, uh, you know, the first season was kind of a hit. And I remember just everybody in the room being so enthusiastic about like, oh, yeah, comic book book men is on next. I miss this show and stuff. And it was a really like fun moment for me. So that's why I picked uh, picked that one for my first honorable mention. Right on. Good call. I understand why you think it's a cheat, though, but I'm with you. Um, what's your next one? Because that's how the game plays, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my next one. I went with uh, Euphoria season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the okay. episode is called. Uh, sorry, I have it written down. Uh, OK, trying to get to heaven before they close the door. And uh, the reason I picked this one is because Euphoria season one, I thought was pretty good. Like it was a pretty good show. It was entertaining. Uh, there was some suspense. There was some drama. But I don't know if it wowed me completely. Like I liked it a lot, but I don't know if it was one of those like. I definitely have to watch this sort of things. Then season two came out and uh, I think I was just a lot more wowed because season two takes everything that season one did great and just amps everything up a notch where you have um, you have a lot of the like drug addiction subplots and stuff that go on from the first uh, season. But in season two, they actually bring a level of danger to that. Um, And I don't want to go too deep because it could get a little racy for the podcast, but there's a level of danger and suspense when it comes to the drug world and the, uh, you know, getting kind of into that crime and drug world. Like there's a lot of suspenseful, dangerous places that season two goes. And you definitely get a hint of that within this first episode, but also like some of the, the drama stuff, like there's the, the whole scene where um, anybody who's seen the uh, show, like it's like uh, the characters, Nate and Cassie um, are about to uh, they are like about to hook up in <laughs> the bathroom and the, the party. And then his ex-girlfriend walks in. So Cassie has to hide in the bathtub the whole time. And uh, it sounds like kind of a goofy, like teenage, you know, comedy, like party situation. But the way it's played out that scene just had me on the edge of my seat so much. And uh, yeah, that's another moment from this episode that just you're, you're watching and you just like can't breathe, can't blink because the moment is just too intense. So uh, yeah, that's uh, euphoria season two. So yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, my um, first, my, my only honorable mention tonight is a newer one. Um, and that is Vox Machina season two. The episode is titled Rise of the Chroma Conclave. Um, I chose this one. The reason this makes an honorable mention is because the show's very new. I've only seen it like I've only seen that episode like twice because I've watched both seasons. I've watched the whole show through twice. Um, This season, this episode was phenomenal in the sense that it was so exciting and so jam packed with info and so jam packed with like dragons and destruction and magic and action and like. You're like, hey, there's my friends, but whoa, are we in the middle of some shit right now? You know, um, I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Uh, like I said, I don't want to go too far on it because we talked about Vox Machina, but yeah. it was such a cool, solid, like, first season. Like, let's, you know. Yeah, it's su- such a cool way that they had, like, the cliffhanger at the end of season one. And season two just jumps right in and builds on that cliffhanger, which we all knew it was coming. But it's such a uh, cool, like, uh, 
high fantasy level to like play out the events of the show that is just going to like right off the bat, put you on the edge of your seat. You know, like I praise the first season for starting off in a tavern, like uh, so many Dungeons and Dragons uh, campaigns do, but season two doesn't put you back in the cavern. It like puts you right in the midst of like crazy, dangerous, epic crap going on. And uh, it was awesome. So, yeah. Um, all right, man, what's your first actual pick tonight? Yeah, so my first actual pick, um, I actually went with uh, The Office uh, season uh, four's uh, premiere, which was entitled uh, Fun Run. Um, this was partially because I'm kind of on a big office season kick. four. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, I'm kind of on a big office kick lately. Like I've been rewatching it a lot. Um, so it's kind of fresh in my mind, but, uh, I was looking through all the office season premieres and I think this one is one of the funniest cause this is the one where Michael accidentally runs over Meredith in the parking lot and she has to go to the hospital and, uh, the hospital is just kind of taking care of like, However, she got injured, but they advised that she gets a rabies shot because she had been exposed to like numerous animal bites <laughs> like recently. And one of them was from the previous season when there's a bat in the office and uh, Dwight is in the office trying to catch the bat with a garbage bag. <laughs> and when he finally does catch the bat, he like catches it in the bag around Meredith's head. <laughs> So her head is like stuck in this garbage bag with this this uh, bat flying around. So that's partially the reason for the uh, the fact that the hospital is like, yeah, you should get a rabies shot. But because Michael feels so guilty about the situation and because of some other like issues that happened at the office, he feels that they need to do something good. And he like he's kind of just has this like guilt level where he's like, I need to, to do something good to uh you know, to benefit the world. So he organizes a run for the cure of rabies. <laughs> so then you have everybody in the office has to participate in this like rabies themed 5k. And uh, it plays out hilarious. Uh, Michael's really hilarious in this episode because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to take any any comfort while he runs. He like because of the guilt and he wants to like you know, he feels anybody with rabies is going through harder, a harder situation than him. So he chooses not to drink any water <laughs> during the whole run and he gets severely dehydrated. And there's some joke where he like ate a ton of uh, fettuccine Alfredo before the run, I think, to uh, work up his carbs. But at the end of the episode, he has that great line where he's just like, he's like, I have never drank <laughs> or he's like, I've never ate more fettuccine Alfredo and drank less water any time in my life. And it's great. But uh, no, this one has some other funny moments. Like uh, there's the whole aspect of like uh, Andy has to like tape up his nipples because otherwise his nipples will start bleeding. <laughs> He's running. And there's a lot of like really funny subplots to this episode. So this one's not like a mind blowing thing. I just think it's a really good uh, episode of television and it's one of my favorite shows. So I thought I'd mention it. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny because The Office is like half of my pro like I like Park Parks and Rec and The Office are very, very similar in terms of the style of show, the style of filmmaking and all that stuff. I think Parks and Rec is the superior show. And for some reason, everyone, it seems them. I feel like I'm in the minority when I say that. Um, 
most of the reason why I don't like The Office is because I don't like Michael Scott. And I just like there's some funny bits here and there, but he's half the reason why I don't like The Office. Um, I'd rather watch Jim and Dwight like deal with their stuff. <laughs> um, well, he, he is like the he would be the worst boss ever. He is super annoying, but uh, he's a great character to uh, to laugh at. And he does have his endearing moments, but he is uh He's basically like if you put a child who doesn't know what they're doing in charge of an office and uh, try not to cringe at what happens from there. And uh, I think it's pretty great. But Parks and Rec versus The Office, to me, I feel like it's a little bit of a taste thing almost. Like I feel like The Office is like very, at least how it started, it was like very realistic. Like it almost feels like you're watching an actual office. Mm -hmm. And I think Parks and Rec is like maybe a little bit larger than life um, and sometimes feels more lighthearted because it's slightly more exaggerated um and i don't know if you agree with that drew but i think it's almost more of a of a taste thing like which shows humor gels with you most i don't know that there's a right or wrong answer to that uh question though right um well all right i'll move on so my next one is another cartoon it's the last of my cartoons if you will this is um batman the animated series season four the episode is titled Holiday Nights. This is the one where it starts out um, Batman and Robin. Um, is it? No, it starts out with. Uh, this is the one with like Batgirl. De- it's like three separate stories. Batgirl dealing with. Um, oh, it's Harley Quinn and uh, Poison Ivy on a shopping spree. And then Harley um, Batgirl has to deal with Clayface in the mall, who's actually shoplifting. And then Batman and Robin deal with uh, the Joker on New Year's Eve. But at the end of the episode, it's one of my favorite Batman scenes. And I've talked about it on the show before, but it's that it's the moment where Batman, Commissioner Gordon, goes to the diner at like midnight. It's like right after New Year's Eve. So it's like maybe one, two o'clock in the morning. And Commissioner Gordon goes to the diner and he walks in and he sits down and he orders a coffee. And the guy who runs the diner kicks everybody out. And then Batman comes in from like the back door. And they have a and they have like a quick cup of coffee and it's basically like we made it another year. I'll see you next year. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. I I love that moment and that's the reason why this made it. Um, the episode is cool itself, but ultimately that moment is what caused that to be on the list. Such a wonderful, wonderful like one. It's a comic book moment, but it's a very touching moment in terms of these two like soldiers and their war on crime going. We made it another year. Hopefully we can do this again next year. You know. So it's just it's this cool thing knowing they do that every year. So. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. Uh, what do you got for me? Oh, yeah. Well, I was going to say you've mentioned that episode before. Um, but uh, oh, actually, you're talking about some of the, uh, you know, mini plots from the episode, like especially the Harley and Poison Ivy part. It's like actually ringing a bell with that episode a little bit more. But uh, the other thing I was going to say, and I don't know if it's because of the sort of like Tim Burton Batman Returns influence, but something about batman paired with um paired with christmas stuff is just like Mm -hmm. so freaking cool and i don't i don't know what it is (laughs) but it's great um but yeah i can move into my next one um i'm not sure if we'll match for this one or not but i actually went with uh friends uh the season five premiere and this is the one after ross says rachel um yeah this this is my short list yeah this was so the previous episode, like the season four uh, season finale, was when 
Ross is at his wedding in London, about to get married to Emily, and he says, I, Ross, take thee, Rachel. And uh, that's basically how the episode ends, and uh, you're left a whole summer going like, oh, shit, what's going to happen next? And that was the biggest... you really say that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's that was the biggest reason I picked this one, because that anticipation, like, this was one of those season premieres that everybody who was watching Friends at the time was just like, on the edge of their seat like they had to see this premiere but if you go back to it it's actually a really hilarious episode when it comes to the whole like Chandler and Monica ended up hooking up while they were in London and they're trying to be intimate again and uh, (laughs) the way a lot of that stuff plays out is really funny like how they try to go to the bridal suite and then they have to get Ross out of their hair and uh, that stuff is I think comedic gold but then there's also the whole thing of like By the end of the episode, when uh, Ross decides, like, you know, Emily, I can't find her. She's out of the picture, but I'm still going to go on my honeymoon. I'm still going to enjoy it. And uh, he goes to the airport and Rachel's with him and kind of like as a last minute knee jerk decision, he asks Rachel to come with him on the honeymoon. And uh, right as they're boarding the plane, Emily shows up and they and she sees Ross try to go on the plane with Rachel And then he has that, like, oh, crap moment. I have to stay back and, uh, you know, try to rekindle my marriage. But she's already pissed because he saw she saw him running off with the other woman. And uh, I don't know. It's 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 a really good episode overall. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew. Yeah, no, it's it made my short list. And I was thinking about that, too. I was like, you know, being a Friends fan and watching the show like I have, I'm like, I wonder, are there any episodes that like really had me like what? And it's the it's the. Ross saying the wrong name at the wedding episode. And you're just like, oh, my God, did he really say that? And having to wait, like, did he really say that? Um, I'm going to hit you with one that's uh, even bigger, in my opinion, than uh, uh, Friends that, and, and that opener in terms of, like, anticipation of, wait, what is going on? And that's going to be the show Lost, the season two opener titled uh, Men of Science, Men of Faith. Um, this is, you got to remember in season one, they find the hatch in the ground and at the end of this first season, they get the, they get to, they, they get the hatch dug out and then the light comes out of it and they get to like open the door and you're like, well, what's down there? Yeah. And season end, season end open ended with the, the light turning on and it's like, something's down there. And you spent the entire summer going, what's in the hatch? What's in the hatch? That's all anyone could talk about is what's in the hatch. And then we came in and you got introduced to Desmond and you found out about the Dharma initiative and you found out about all the stuff going on on the island. Um, like the like explaining away a lot of the weird stuff going on in the island. You're like, oh, OK, it's linked to this. And, you know, so on and so on. It cracked that show open big time. Um, it, yeah, it explains so. it away, but it also brings a lot more questions. Like, wait, you have to press this button every, was it 88 minutes, I want to say? Uh, it wasn't every 88 minutes. Uh, there was a shoot. There's a very specific. It was like, a very specific. It was just enough time to where you didn't have time to do anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you got time to go do this stuff, but you got to be back and push the button. Otherwise, the island's going to blow up. <laughs> um Uh, this this one's great this is one that uh i'll i'll let you keep going i was just gonna say this almost made my list um 
Two things is I just haven't rewatched Lost in a really long time. So this episode isn't like super fresh in my memory. But also I binged through the first like three seasons of Lost, um, you know, so it wasn't I never had that like summer's worth of like what's going on in the hatch. Like I can't find out. I had a, you know, finish the DVD and then say, oh, crap, what's going on? And then me and my buddy walked over to the video store. (laughs) rented the next dvd came back and learned about the hatch so uh, i didn't have the same level of anticipation but it is such a good premiere and i do get that like level of anticipation that you would have had for this you know you did have that level of anticipation of what let we gotta go to the video store absolutely (laughs) we gotta go to the video store let's start walking here we go you know (laughs) so yeah back when we had video stores kids um, yeah. Actually, I don't actually know if Lost is streaming anywhere. I haven't looked for it. I haven't watched it in a while. I have all the DVDs. Um, I just haven't. Um, I think that'd be a fun one. So if this writer strike goes a little longer, maybe I'll give Lost a rewatch. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, what do you got for me? Next one. Oh, yeah, it's my turn. OK, so uh, speaking of anticipated episodes, I actually went with The Walking Dead Season 7 premiere. Uh, This episode was entitled The Day Will Come When You Won't Be. And uh, this is basically season six, the finale of season six. What's that? Season seven, you said. Okay. Yeah, but no, sorry. I was going to talk about the episode that I know, but I'm typing on the spreadsheet and I'm making sure that I'm putting. (laughs) I thought you were correcting me. I got confused for a second. No, No. yeah, it's the uh, Walking Dead season seven premiere. Um. But yeah, the previous season, the way the finale went was this is the one where the group meets up with Negan. And uh, it was this really cool thing where an episode or two before you saw a couple members of uh, Rick's group came across um, some guys on like a motorcycle or something. And uh, they mentioned that like Negan was their boss and you didn't really know what that meant, but you just knew that like. These guys weren't to be messed with. They were bad news. I don't know who Negan is, but he sounds like bad news, too. And uh, the way season six ended, the group met up with Negan. And it was one of these things where they were in their caravan and they were trying to get from point A to point B. And every time they tried to get through this section of land, there was Negan's people were blocking the road and uh, they tried like every single way they could until they ended up having to go one way and being stopped. And uh, the way season six ends is with that famous that famous scene where you have all of the main characters of The Walking Dead kneeling around in like a half circle. And on the other side facing them is like Negan and all his forces. And Negan is walking around with Lucille, you know, his bat that's covered in barbed wire. Mm-hmm. And is threatening the group and uh basically the way season six ends is the screen goes black and you hear negan pummeling one of the members of the group and you hear maggie screaming in the background and uh you had to wait a full summer you had to wait till the fall to find out what just happened who did negan kill and it was such like the Walking Dead, I feel like a season or two after this, it kind of got a bad rap. Like people started getting bored with it. But this was like one of the most talked about things that summer and everybody had different theories. And uh, 
people online were like breaking down the audio and uh, like since Maggie screamed, everybody thought it was uh, Glenn who died and stuff like that. And then you end up watching the episode and uh, spoiler alert, I think it was Abraham that he killed the first. But then um, I think something happened where he ended up killing Glenn shortly after. But I think I can't remember if Maggie's scream was because of Glenn or Abraham. But uh, it just was like so suspenseful. And the way that after like the first initial kills from that situation, how intimidating and threatening Negan's presence was on the rest of the people like you were in such a state of shock and grief and awe with everything that was going on. And I just think it was played out so well. Um, I think by the end of the episode, Negan lets the uh, the group go, but he takes Daryl as a prisoner. I can't remember exactly how it all played out, but um, with all this being said, I think this season was kind of the downhill for The Walking Dead. And it was funny because I do think it was one of the best season premieres I've ever seen. But you had Negan, who is, in my opinion, one of my favorite villains of all time. Like, I think he's such a good villain. And something with the pacing this season got really weird after this episode, where not a lot was happening each episode. Like, it's kind of like they drew out the storyline too long after this really intense first episode. And I feel like this is surprisingly, even though they had like the best villain they'd had in, in the series so far and one of the best season premieres they had had, the rest of the season, I feel, is the season where people started getting bored with the show. And it's kind of in retrospect, it's kind of really uh, unfortunate that, he, that it played out that way. But uh, wow. yeah, I feel like that's just how it went, you know. So on the negative side, that's the season where they would do it you'd see you'd watch an hour and a half of television for 10 minutes of content and that's right. where i think and that's where i think people got like frustrated with the show um yeah and it was, other, it was crazy it, like watching it in real time it was so crazy because i was like it started off so great and you have such a good villain and then you'd watch an episode and nothing would happen and it was as like because I remember being like a loyal fan of the show and just having this feeling like I want this to be better. I want this to be doing better. And it's like it's like I don't know how you dropped the ball this season because you had everything lined up for it to be amazing. You know what I mean? However, what I got to say about your specific cliffhanger there that you brought up, what I loved about that is those of us who read the comic book Walking Dead know who gets killed by the bat in that moment. But because they faded the black, we all questioned if they would do that with that character or if it was going to be a different character. Yeah, good good um, call. Did it play out the same way in the comic? It played out exactly the same way in the comic. Oh, wow. And that was the thing. It was like, are they really going to do it? And when I say really going to do it, the images, like the physical images of what Glenn looked like as they as he beat Glenn with the bat, that is exactly what it looked like on the panels. Um, it was crazy, like down to the like the eyeball hanging out and all that stuff. You're just like, good Lord, man. Like they really went for it. But it's the idea of we didn't know it was going to be Glenn. And the question was, are they really going to do a Glenn or is it going to be someone else? Um, you know, and that that was the kind of the cool thing about the blackout. And then we waited an entire year for, you know, who was who was actually going to be. But, yeah, good call on that episode.
All right. So my next one is um, I've talked about how I've enjoyed the show The Resident heavily. Um, this is The Resident season two opener. The title of the episode is If Not When, If Not Now, When. And um, this is an episode where the power in the hospital. This is a doc. This is a medical show, but the power goes out. Now. Hospitals have backup generators upon backup generators upon backup generators. There is a reason in the episode for what happened and why the backup generators didn't kick in, why they didn't, whatever. But the power goes out in a hospital. So what does that mean? You're talking um, all kinds of life support machines, obviously lights, um, oxygen monitors, all this stuff that is needed to run a hospital shuts down because the power goes out. Wow. Um, and the the thing that blew like and when you watch the when you watch the commercial, like you knew the power was going to go out in the episode because of the commercial when they were running the promos for the season to start. And you're like, they're going to do what? And you don't think about it until you're watching the scene of the guy doing a heart surgery on an infant. And you're in the scene and the power goes out right when he's getting ready to make an incision and he freezes and he's like, I can't move. I can't move. I can't move. Someone's got to lift my hand. I can't move. Like, <laughs> he's, you know, and you're just like, it is, I've never been that episode more than probably any episode of television I've ever watched. I was literally at the edge of my seat. Like every single thing was incredibly intense, incredibly fast paced. Um, Intense to where I was squirming with some of it on a medical level, like, oh, my God, they don't have this. They can't do that. Like, and you're just like waiting for the power to come on so they can get back up and running. It was I think it was really fast paced, but it gave you the where have all my friends been? And dealing and now they're dealing with this ridiculous crisis. So this is the episode that I mentioned earlier where it does not go into the big overarching plot lines. It doesn't cover the cliffhangers. It was really like. Here's all your friends, and they're going to deal with this crazy moment. It was nuts. It is one of the coolest episodes of television ever. Here's the thing. You don't have to enjoy the show to just watch this single episode and go on one hell of a ride. Right. Um, like, you could just drop in and go, I'm going to, I, I got to see what Drew is talking about. I'm just going to watch the one episode. And it's a fantastic episode of television. Incredibly smart writing. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, resident season two. That's awesome. And I don't know if uh, I've I've never seen this, but I don't know if the resident is more of like an episodic show or if it did more like overarching plots over the full season um, and stuff. But they did. It, it ultimately it was a ultimately it was a episodic show because it's a medical show in a hospital. However, each season tended to have an overarching plot. So like season one was about malpractice with cancer patients and then season two was malpractice with like um it was malpractice with uh a pacemaker company it was like this company was coming in and they were pushing their product for these pacemakers and they knew they were faulty right so then you deal with like all the hospital stuff but then you deal with the behind the scenes business side of the hot like this show I felt dealt with the business side of the hospital more than other shows do. So like when they were dealing with malpractice stuff, you get in with the lawyers and the attorneys and, you know, like, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And you're still dealing with the medical drama on top of it. Um, yeah, I, 
in all seriousness, I, I don't normally watch shows like that, but I loved The Resident. I thought it was a fantastic show. So anyway. Well, I was I was going to say, I think that um, a show like that that's more episodic, I feel like for a season premiere, they're going to have to work that much harder to get everybody back into the show again, which is kind of really cool that they had such a such an awesome opener uh, for that yeah. episode. So. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic opener. Anyway, um, go ahead, man. What do you got for me? Second to last pick of the night. Yeah, so for my next one, um, I actually went with the first episode of Stranger Things 2, which was entitled ah. Mad Max. And uh, when you talk about a show that's about when you watch a premiere and you're just wondering where your friends have been, Stranger Things for me is one of the biggest shows when it comes to that concept. Like, I can't wait to see where all the uh, kids and the adults and just everybody involved in the previous seasons have been. And I think Stranger Things 2 was the first time we got to experience that, you know, like, what's Mike, what's Mike up to? What's Eleven doing? Where's uh, Will Byers? You know, like, all these you just really wanted to see these characters because they're all these characters that you kind of fell in love with in the first season. But I think Stranger Things 2, one of the biggest reasons I love it is because you have the whole arcade scene in it. Like this is the one that brought in the arcade. You have um, uh, Will is still getting visions of the upside down and you don't know who this giant shadow monster is that he keeps seeing. But it just felt like really um nostalgic and heartwarming at the same time but it also felt really really threatening because you had um will seeing like the shadow monster um you know in the midst of like this really fun arcade scene you have like some really intense imagery like that uh there's a lot of other fun stuff about this episode though it's like technically a halloween episode um like i think this is the one that involves the uh ghostbusters costumes but you also have like uh hopper that's going to uh investigate like the uh pumpkin patch where all the pumpkins went rotten like overnight and uh the farmers freaking out about it uh this episode also introduced us to uh sean astin's character um and i don't know i think it was just a really cool it was a really cool episode to establish where have all these characters from this universe been and it did it in a really fun but also a really intense sort of way and i feel like it was again it's that where have all my friends been and i feel like this helped set the precedent for that where have all my friends been aspect to all the stranger things premieres following this one you know what i mean yeah 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 um yeah, yeah good call on that episode i love you know what's interesting about that episode? That so that's probably my favorite episode of that season, um, and it's the and I, think it's, I think it's cool just because of that. That's the kids like they haven't moved on. They haven't moved beyond the Dungeons and Dragons table, but we're still in the '80s, so it's like oh yeah, arcades. Yeah, you know? and there was that. There's that rivalry of putting the, you know, hey, I, that's my high score, you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's that's the high score. So and then, um, yeah, I mean, the uh, the show brings in like Maxine, like Mad Max, the the episodes named after this new character who, uh, you know, she set the record on uh, Dig Dug. And I can't remember if it was Asteroids or what the other game was, but uh, 
she was a mysterious figure and you know of course it's stranger things you know that's like a series that worships all things 80s so you have the mad max tie-in and all that so yeah fun stuff yeah 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 all right um okay so i just did a little bit of googling while you were talking and i was a little bit wrong on my episode um but i'm still sticking with the same episode number (laughs) um the uh the episode i was i'll tell you why so I was just wrong on this. So I'm going with Game of Thrones season six. Okay. Uh, the episode is titled The Red Woman. Um, this is the episode where Jon Snow wakes up after being killed. Yep. Um, the anticipation of Jon Snow falling in the like there were I know that there were people that watched the show after the fact, and I got texts from them going, They just killed Jon Snow. I'm done. I'm not watching the show again. And I'm like, keep watching. You know what I mean? Like, just keep going. Seriously. Um, the episode I was thinking of was the episode where Cersei blows up the Sept um, with the wildfire and, like, when they blow up the church. But that's not a season opener, and I thought it was. <laughs> I, had to double check my, I had to double check my stuff. But it's from the it's from season six. It's just not that episode, unfortunately. It's one of it's like episode two or three. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit later. But, no, the... Um, but yeah, so season the season six opener, the Red Woman. It's the is Jon Snow alive or dead, and her, you know, praying to the Lord of Light and trying to bring him back, and you know that kind of thing. And here we are, Jon Snow comes back to become the King of the North. So you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm actually glad you researched that because uh, I we actually matched on this one. I went oh really? Okay. Game of Thrones season six, the Red Woman. Um, that's my final pick. This list is in no particular order but uh no i did think that this was a great episode and uh if you didn't do that quick google search uh we might have had a weird discussion when we both said that the episode was about different things <laughs> well, i was literally like while i was while you were talking i'm like i feel like i'm slightly off but i'm gonna double check it while he's talking because that's the next yeah. thing i'm gonna talk about so that's cool that we matched i was wondering if a game of thrones one on your was gonna pop up on your list um, I think it's cool that we specifically picked that episode. Um, but yeah, so, like it's a great, great episode. Um, I just at, for the brief, briefest moment, I thought it was the um, it was the uh, a different episode. And in my Google search, the blowing up the sept is the uh, season finale of that season. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. Um. So Game of Thrones for me, I feel like. I feel like Game of Thrones is a series with a lot of really great season finales. And, like, the series is great as a whole. Like, their season openers are really good, too. But the season finales are all the, always the part that sticks with you. And I think it's because, or at least for me, and I think it's because it's such an intricate story and there's so much going on that, like, yes, like, you see the season premiere and you're being reintroduced to all your friends. You're getting to see where all these characters have been. Uh, you're moving on with the story, but it's so intricate. I feel like almost right away, all the political inter- intricacies and all of the debauchery and all of the different relationships going on, like, I feel like it all just gets back, like, in your mind, you're watching it, and it just starts to intermingle back into the Game of Thrones web. And I feel like, for me, that's why the finales were always more memorable for me than the openers and i don't know if that made it make sense but it makes sense to me (laughs) 
So, but uh, this was one of the few ones that was like super memorable because it is that anticipation of like, what's going on with Jon Snow? Did they actually kill him? If not, how are they going to bring him back? And uh, I think Game of Thrones is, I'm not a big fan of characters dying and coming back to life typically, but I think Game of Thrones is a really good example of uh, really cool, interesting ways you can play with that concept. Um, yeah. So yeah, this was a this was a great episode. So yeah, good. Um, all right, so my final pick because we matched on that one. Um, I'm going with Stranger Things season four. The episode was titled "The Hellfire Club." Right. Yeah. This uh, is this one's great too. <laughs> this one. All right. So this one brings me so much joy in the sense that one, yes, where have all my friends been? Sure. Every season, every show has to do that on an opening of a season. However, what this one does is this one introduces us to a new big bad villain that puts that makes everyone else look like puts them all to shame. The previous ones to shame. But it also introduces some new characters, specifically Eddie. Right? And the thing about Eddie is, is that he's the Dungeons and Dragons guy. He's like the Dungeons and Dragons guru that the other that the kids, I think, all wish they were. When you look at the previous seasons, but what this show does, what this episode does in a, the most beautiful way is it made Dungeons and Dragons look like a sport and it made and it took the juxtaposition of the Dungeons and Dragons game with the nerd kids wanting to play D&D and juxtaposed it with the basketball game happening in the gym. And um, and because Lucas joined the basketball team and he couldn't go play D&D with them for their big final moment. So you had the final game of the season, final game of the campaign juxtaposed together. And it was the edit of the back and forth, the intensity building in the basketball game, the intensity building of the D&D table, having to bring in Lucas's sister to join the party um, because she had to fill the void back and forth. The dice rolls to the basketball shots, the dice rolls to the passing like. To the point where, like, the juxtaposition of Lucas taking the final shot and his sister rolling the dice for the final time, and you get the final score of the game, they win, and her rolling the natural 20 at the same time. The juxtaposition of that was beautiful editing, beautiful storytelling. That's It, it was such an exciting episode to watch, just as is, aside from all the rest of the Stranger Things stuff and getting introduced into these new characters. But it was that moment. It was that the two parts of that that sunk this episode all the way at the top for me. So, yeah, um, this episode was great um, as well, especially for all the Hellfire Club and D&D stuff that you were just talking about. And the whole like Lucas's basketball game is tonight, so we need to find a replacement. And the fact that they brought in his little sister, I remember that happening on screen and I had to laugh because I was like, I didn't think of this at all, but it totally makes sense. <laughs> And she totally would have played D&D before. Like, you know, the guys from the show would have forced her to play a game of D&D or two with them. So I was just like, I thought it was so perfectly played out that way. But then also, like you mentioned, like the introduction of Eddie. Eddie was just such a cool character. He was like, he the, he, he came on screen and I feel like everybody just fell in love with uh, this character. And uh, it's like, it's so heartbreaking because you because, you know, we all watched his uh, early demise and stuff, but we're also, there's 
a lot of us out there that are wondering, like, is he going to come back uh, in the next season in some way? And maybe is he going to come back in some weird, gruesome, undead, upside down sort of way? That could be interesting, too. That could also be totally metal. So we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, yeah, good call for this one. Yeah. So uh, that brings us to the end of this episode, man. Uh, what are we doing next week? Yeah. So um, this week might or next week might be a little bit of a weird list. But uh, I thought of this idea and I thought it was pretty funny because I realized I have some uh pretty funny stories around this this uh, topic, but I wanted to talk about our top five favorite competing, or sorry, I am slurring my words right now. So I want to talk about my our top five favorite competitive video gaming memories, <laughs> if that makes sense. So we're looking about, we're talking about like goofy multiplayer moments, um, maybe moments where you, maybe you joined a video game tournament of some way and you have some goofy, funny memory from that. It's kind of that sort of thing. Um, I just thought this would be a fun, uh, fun list to go through. I hope you have five, Drew. I feel like you probably do. I mean, maybe they're all old Halo memories. Like there's nothing wrong with that too, but I just realized like, playing video games with my friends, I've had some really funny moments. And uh, I guess that's just in the spirit of the list. I would like to focus on the more like competition based stuff, you know, like multiplayer matches or like if you've ever joined like a public tournament of some kind or something like that. But uh, yeah, you can I, I'm kind of cool if like anything goes for this one, you know. Wow. No, it's just I, I say, whoa, because this is I got to like you got to think back to some crazy stuff um but yeah i'm yeah i'm down um i'll see what i yeah holy cow that's gonna take some thought <laughs> okay well I, I hope i hope it doesn't take too much thought um i, no, I just realized that because you got to roll that rolodex back of like man there's been some cool competitive moments but uh i know i know that i have one that's guaranteed honorable mention and it's only because it's too new to be considered on the actual list uh because it happened like a week ago um the, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and um the other one happened years ago and that's probably going to be my number one but um we'll see what i come up with so cool man nice um all right well everybody do us all a favor check out our website top report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with a link to our email top five report at gmail.com you can hit us up on the social media e email either way it works um we are on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You um, uh, can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on X at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be Xing about this argument I saw online between ET and a Reddit mod. I'm calling it Alien versus Redditor. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> um, everybody, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.